Locked On Redskins, your daily Washington Redskins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, every day, every day. All right, guys, it is Chris Russell here on the, for now, Locked On Redskins podcast. This could be the last time that that term is in use, uh, as it is Monday, July 13th, 2020, as I record this early in the morning before an official announcement is made, but one is expected Today, at some point, that the Washington Redskins are going to be no more. What we don't know is if we're going to actually get a new name or not. This episode of the Locked On, for now, Redskins podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Coming up in this particular episode, we're going to try our best to give you the news and then also get you away from the news because everyone is just exhausted by it and actually talk some football, and we were supposed to do our crossover series this week, and we're doing a modified version. My friend Patricia Trena of Locked on Giants and Giant Country on SI.com will join us, and we'll go over her football team because while they are chaotic and while they are dysfunctional in many ways and not very good, quite honestly, uh, what we have is a more normal football team and organization there. Uh, more than the one that I cover, I can tell you that one, and more than the one you probably root for. All right, so let's get to it. The news of the day is this. At some point on Monday, July 13th, it is expected that the Redskins will issue a statement saying that they are officially retiring the name Redskins and changing to a new name. It's been reported by Sports Business Journal, by USA Today, by uh, other outlets that Washington will become... Well, we don't know what they'll become um, because apparently the name is tied up in trademark issues and, uh, and, and, and it, it's going to take a little bit more time. So here's the thing. We know Warriors is a favorite. We know Red Hawks is out there. We know Red Wolves has taken on a life of its own. Don't know the name. It's likely going to be Warriors, uh, but we just don't know at this point. We just don't know at this point. So it would be unfair for me to continue to speculate until I actually know. Uh, But Warriors has always been the favorite. Uh, It's been long connected with Dan Snyder. Uh, The Redskins organization is going to look at it as a non-controversial name, as a name that's meant to honor and um, pay tribute to the military. And as usual, they're going to look at it that way, and they're going to ignore the reality, which is that some have been offended by it in the past. And especially when you're going from Redskins to Warriors, it opens Pandora's box uh, to be even more controversial than... It is for the Golden State Warriors, or it was for the Marquette Warriors back in the day, or any high school or school that has the name Warriors, because yes, it means one thing in one context, and it means, you know, a fighter, a warrior, uh, a, you know, all the dictionary defined terms that warrior means. I got it. I understand wounded warrior, all of that. I understand where they're trying to go with it. The bottom line, the bottom line is, if they choose Warriors, if Warriors it is, which has long been the thought to be favorite of Dan Snyder's, there is still too much potential that it can be a controversial name and not enough of a movement from 
the outspoken minority, okay, which is everyone that hated the name Redskins and everyone that thought they should change. If they're moving from Redskins to Warriors, I'm telling you, this debate is never going to die. Never going to die. I can't say that it's illegal. I can't say that it's a defined slur. It's not. But it's never going to die. You're just you're just throwing another log onto maybe the corner of the flame as opposed to on and directly on the flame. You can't make that mistake, in my opinion. No matter who you think you're honoring, no matter who you think you're paying homage to, no matter who you checked with, no matter what the NFL lawyers told you, again, there's nothing illegal about it. There's nothing dictionary defined or anything of the sort like Redskins was and is. What it is is a tone-deaf response to the people that you were originally offending and hurting. That's what it is. It is complete tone-deaf, and it makes almost no common sense. And it kind of goes in line with what Dan Snyder really is, you know, unfortunately, uh, as a person. And that's from people that know him much better than I do. Much better than I do. So I'll just leave it there. By the time you listen to this, the organization probably will have retired the term Redskins. Maybe we will have a new name, although that is expected to take some time, according to Sports Business Journal and others. However, there was one report, USA Today, I believe it was, Mike Jones, that said that the Redskins could have a new name as early as today. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. The other big story is Alex Santos and Richard Mann II, Director of Pro Personnel and the Assistant Director of Pro Personnel, have both reportedly been fired. Uh, This is by The Athletic. Ben Standig, Rhiannon Walker, a team official, would not confirm the news to me on Sunday night. However, everyone in the inner circle, if you will, knows that this is going on. It's been speculated. I believe Chick Hernandez, uh, who I'm not sure who he's working for right now. He used to work for NBC Sports Washington and uh, do some stuff with the Redskins. Again... I, I, I don't know who told him this, but uh, he's speculating that it was for non-football reasons or he's reporting that it was for non-football reasons. I mean, I've heard I've heard something similar, but I, I can't honestly say, and it would be unfair and irresponsible for me to absolutely say that I know that for sure. Um, the other thing going on, Scott Abraham of ABC7, and I heard something similar said there is really bad stuff going on and that's going to come out again stay tuned is all i could say all right so that's as much of the breaking news as we can fit in stay tuned we will have you covered on our google news initiative one in five minute reports we will be able to crank out as as quickly as we can another new episode of this podcast maybe it'll be a different i, I don't know i mean this is all moving at a meteoric like rocket pace So just stay tuned is all I can say. Coming up next, Patricia Trena and I on Big Blue, on the New York Giants. Yeah, football and an opponent twice for the Redskins or whatever they're going to be called, an opponent that actually might be worse than them. 
Yes, we will go into it full blast and give you a little taste of something that you crave, something that I crave, because this is not it. I can tell you that much. I can assure you chaos, a circus, turmoil, and dysfunction, which is what this franchise has been all about under Dan Snyder and longer, but especially under Dan Snyder, is not what I want to cover and not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about football. Patricia Trina next. All right, guys, it is Chris Russell here for rockauto.com. We've been telling you about them for weeks. Make sure you guys go check out rockauto.com, no matter what your make, model is, no matter how old your car is, right? Some people think, oh, a bumper-to-bumper warranty on a new car covers everything. (laughs) Wrong. Not true. If something goes wrong with your car inside that warranty, go to rockauto.com instead of going to the dealer. Instead of going to your big auto parts superstore because they have overhead and they're going to charge you more, not only for the overhead, but because you're not a mechanic, because you're not somebody that they deal with on a regular basis that they're trying to earn and curry business on a regular basis. Go to rockauto.com. Skip all that nonsense. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years rockauto.com gets you hundreds of manufacturers all the parts you'll ever need engine control models brake parts tail lamps motor oil new carpet whatever you need if you're a classic driver if you're a daily driver if you're whatever your situation might be directly delivered to your door without all of that overhead again rockauto.com reliably low prices the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers they don't distinguish they just want your business and they want to treat you fairly at rockauto.com go there right now right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selections reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com all right it is the division crossover right here on the locked on podcast network locked on giants locked on redskins whatever they're going to be called i'm chris russell along with my friend patricia trainer who covers the new york giants like a glove from multiple outlets and of course the locked on giants podcast uh, patricia always great to catch up with you i hope you're having a little bit of a good summer i know it's kind of crazy for everyone uh but i hope you're doing well thanks chris always a pleasure to catch up with you and yeah it's it's uh it has been a crazy summer you know we're counting down to camp but we don't know what camp is going to look like. We don't know when it's going to start. We don't know a lot of things that we normally know this time of year. And it's been, you know, really difficult to, and challenging to write about stuff and talk about stuff when there was no off season and whatnot, but Hey, we're doing the best we can. Right. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And, you know, for, from my perspective, the team that I cover, there's uh, nobody has talked about football in so long. I, I desperate, like I would do anything right now for a walkthrough, which is, you know, which is kind of scary uh, in and of itself. We'll get to that uh, a little bit in a different episode. Uh, but first I wanted to ask you about the, the giants and, you know, of course, so many things have gone on, you know, since we last had a chance to chat, uh, and I wanted to start, I, I think the last time we did one of these, we certainly started on the offensive side of the ball because that's where kind of all the juicy questions were. But with everything going on with DeAndre Baker and former Washington corner Quentin Dunbar, who they smartly traded to Seattle, and I know there was more news earlier this weekend, 
where are we at on this for, I guess, my audience and, um, you know, and, and also just for football fans in general that might not be following this story because it took another turn, Patricia. And, you know, is there a possibility DeAndre Baker is not going to be there for the Giants this year? Yeah, I, I think at this point, you know, he missed a good chunk of the virtual offseason program. Of course, this was an important program to be at, given that you have a new coaching staff, new teammates and whatnot. So he missed a big chunk of that so he could focus on this legal issue. Um, just a really unfortunate uh, story. I mean, at this point, we don't know what to believe because, you know, you have the attorneys telling us, oh, the cases are going to be dropped now. I know one attorney uh, mentioned, oh, we're confident we'll get this dropped within a week. Well, he said that last month, I think it was, or two months ago, and here it is, it's still going on. And, you, you know, then you have guys that are talking, I, I believe the the uh, guy who represents his football interests is talking about the legal case, vice versa. And it's just, it's just such a crazy, crazy story. But you know, the bottom line is, is I don't think DeAndre Baker will be with this team. You know, now at this point, he creates a distraction, even if that case gets resolved. You know, I think back to the Josh Brown situation, and I know it was a different set of circumstances and whatnot, but, you know, br there was Brown, you know, supposedly trying to get, improve himself and whatnot. And, you know, the, the outrage was just so much so that the Giants had to move on from him. Um, it's kind of the same thing in a way with DeAndre Baker that in that, you know, people are going to want to know, hey, what really happened, you know, and, and it's just it's a distraction that Joe Judge, the new head coach, I don't think can afford to have. So the Giants, you know, it looks like they will move on from him. Nothing has been decided yet, but, um, you know, the Giants historically have been the type of team to wait until all the facts come out. There is mm -hmm. a possibility that uh, Baker will go on the um, commissioner's exempt list. I don't know if that will be the case, or they might just cut their losses and say, you know what, we have to move on. So that'll and be the, interesting to see. And that, and I don't mean to jump in on you, that would be a really hard thing to do as well, one way or the other. But giving up on a 2019 first-round pick, even though they signed James Bradbury and gave Bradbury a whole bunch of money, who used to play for – uh, the Washington head coach, Ron Rivera, and, of course, Dave Gettleman when they were down in Carolina, even though they spent a lot of money on that position, I, I don't know, like, what what would be their plan to, to, to pair opposite of Bradbury, do you think, without, again, having a, a an off-season program here? What would they do at that other spot if, again, as expected, DeAndre Baker is not available? Yeah, um, you know, what also makes this very hard is the fact that the Giants traded up to get DeAndre Baker. So this is just really, you know, a hard one to swallow. But to answer your question, I think what will happen is you will see a competition between Corey Valentine and Sam Beal, both of whom were draft picks. Now, Sam Beal a couple of years ago was a supplementary draft pick, but uh, a draft pick nonetheless. And originally, I think he was the one they were kind of hoping would grow into a starting role. The problem is, is he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Now, Corey Ballantyne last year, he was a six-round pick. They played him mostly in the slot. He is not a slot cornerback. He is better on the perimeter, and I think that's where he's going to get his opportunity. They also have Julian Love, but I think Julian Love, because he's so versatile, you're going to move him around as kind of a chess piece. You're going to see him at safety. You might see him at the perimeter. You might see him, you know, in the slot. There's just so many things he can do. So I, I can't see them, you know, pigeonholing him into one spot. 
Patricia Trena is with us, Locked On Giants. I'm Chris Russell. As we continue to talk about this Giants defense, uh, and, and let's stay there because the strength of it clearly is up front. Now, a lot of people laughed at Dave Gettleman when they made the trade for Leonard Williams uh, from the New York Jets, and a lot of people said, well, why would they do that? So I'm going to put the question to you. He's still here. Um, why did they do that, and, wh- and what was the thought process there? in terms of uh, other than just trying to get a talented kid who maybe just didn't exactly fit uh, in the other locker room at MetLife Stadium? You know, that's a really good question, Chris. I can't figure this one out because what could they have possibly learned other than maybe the personality that they couldn't have learned watching film? All right. They, they had four, what is it, four, four and a half years worth of film on the guy to where mm-hmm. they could have determined what kind of a player he was. Now, again, the only thing I can think of is let's bring him in and let's see what kind of personality he is. Well, you know what? You could have done that in other ways, you know. Now, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. There was no traditional free agency where you could have brought a guy in and sat down across the table from him and gotten to know him right. and whatnot. But it just seemed to me, and especially as we're getting closer to the um, to the deadline to sign him to a long-term contract, that deal, you know, it, it, it's just looking more and more bad for the Giants. I mean, Leonard Williams, don't get me wrong. He was he helped improve the run a little bit when he came over. But, you know, you're looking for the guy to be something, you know, and you have to ask yourself, is he, you know, this this force of, you know, force of a, a pass rusher, a guy who can get you 10 plus sacks? I don't know that he is. And it's interesting because on, on Giants country, um, we talked about this and we basically said that, uh, you know, maybe a lot of people had these unrealistic expectations for Leonard Williams because of how high he was drafted that he's just never going to fit into when he is what he is. So just a really, really curious decision. I mean, even Dave Gettleman, when we asked him about it at the, at the end of last year, I don't think could really give us a straight answer as to, to what made him make that move. Hmm. And now uh, on a franchise tag, uh, I know the deadline is coming up much like it is for Brandon Sheriff, right? I mean, you don't foresee a con- a long-term contract extension here or, or, or do you? And, and is there any way that the Giants do something like that if the numbers work out? Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, uh, I would have said if you had asked me this back in March, I would have said, oh, yeah, they'll get it done. It's just, you know, contracts get done when they get done. As we're getting closer, you know, you have to kind of look at the how this is unfolded. You had him, for example, file a grievance to be paid the franchise tag of a defensive end versus a defensive tackle, a difference, difference of 1.1 million. I think there's been talk that he has his eyes set on a hefty contract that maybe is not befitting of the role that they have in mind for him. Um, so my guess as of, as we record this and as we record this, there's what three days, I think until the deadline, mm-hmm. my guess is it doesn't get done that he plays on the one year deal. And I wrote an article about it, why I don't, I didn't think it would get done. And, you know, for the reasons that I cited, basically, if I'm Leonard Williams, I don't look to get it done because you just don't know what's going to happen. And if you're the Giants, you don't know what's going to happen with the cap, especially when you've got other guys you want to, you know, tend to next year. 
Patricia Trenton locked on Giants uh, as we go over the Giants defense. All right, so uh, just quickly wrapping this up, you know, we mentioned Baker and the issues on the back end. We just talked about Leonard Williams. What would you say this Giant defense, uh, before we flip the script to the offense, is going to be able to hang its hat on this year? Is there one thing, or is it just going to be a lot of hope for Patrick Graham uh, and the new Giant defense? Well, you know, it's interesting, Chris, we always hear the term multiple. And finally, I said, okay, let me find out exactly what multiple means. Now, I know what the word by itself means. But in terms of a football context, what does it mean? And basically, it sounds like they're going to have, you know, the different personnel packages and there's not going to be a linchpin if you will on defense you know not like a you know like you guys have a Ryan Kerrigan or or you know now a Chase Young or somebody like that so I think it's going to be a group effort and what kind of gets me nervous about this this approach is that they have tried this the last I want to say two or three years and it hasn't worked I'm not sure why they think it's going to work now. You know, I've had people say, oh, they have better teachers. You know, they have a better plan, a better, you know, they have the personnel they need. At the end of the day, though, you look at at the production and, and it's all there in the history. And it just doesn't necessarily work as well as I think they think it can can work. And I, I just I have my doubts about it. And normally I'm a very optimistic person, but you know, you have a lot of youth on that defense combined with a new coordinator, combined with new schemes, and I just think all the chips are stacked against them. So I'm curious to see how that works out. Let's flip the script to the Giants offense coming up next. This is the Locked on Giants, Locked on oh whatever they're calling the Washington <laughs> NFL team podcast these days. Oh, boy, we've got lots of things going on, along with Patricia Tran. I'm Chris Russell uh, on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're with you. We continue right along talking New York Giants football and the Giants offense as we take a look at Big Blue. I'm Chris Russell, joined, joined once again rather by Patricia Trena, who has you covered on Big Blue and the New York Giants. So, Patricia, let's get right to it. Um, you know, of course, some weapons on this side of the football, most notably Saquon Barkley. Of course, now, as everybody knows, Odell Beckham long gone, but still some pretty decent receiving options and certainly one that emerged. Let's start with the quarterback, though, Daniel Jones, as he approaches year number two with a new offense, Jason Garrett, new coordinator, former Cowboy head coach, new head coach. How important was it that he didn't or, or how crucial was it that he did not have grass work this offseason um, going into, again, not only year two, but year two with a different offensive coordinator and a new head coach? much like Dwayne Haskins is. Yeah, I think that's very important. You know, Daniel Jones, he's a smart player. He's a smart young man. He's a hard worker. I know he hasn't been sitting around twiddling his thumbs, you know, during this COVID-inspired unusual offseason. With that said, you know, I always believe that when it comes to football, you can sit and you can learn all the X's and O's and details that you want. But at the end of the day, at some point, you got to get out there and you got to do it. It's kind of like, you know, if you've never ridden a bicycle before, you know how a bicycle works. But until you actually do it, you don't know how well you're going to be at it, be at doing it. So I just feel that, you know, 
I could see potential to where there might be some sloppy football uh, coming on in the beginning. Um, you know, are they building up the, the, the rapport with the receivers? You know, that's very important. I know they had a workout at down in Texas. Uh, uh, I want to say it was last month, but it's just, there's so many reps that you have to get in. And I remember when, you know, a couple of years ago, when, when the Giants flipped the switch from um, Kevin Gilbride to Ben McAdoo mm -hmm. and Eli Manning, who at the time was a veteran quarterback who had probably seen everything. I remember how he said that it took them a while to get up to speed and be able to play fast. And that was with a normal off season. So I can just imagine what kind of challenges they might have uh, with a young quarterback who's entering just a second season and on top of it, who is going through this new offense that is nothing like what he ran previously. And especially like you said, you know, with no traditional off season grass time. And then on top of that, uh, training camp is going to be an acclimation period, assuming we get through training camp. You know, there may be two, there may be no preseason games. Uh, I, I'm with you. Uh, a lot. Of, I think a lot of veteran teams are going to struggle, and especially young teams and young quarterbacks uh, that have made offensive scheme and terminology switches like the Giants uh, and, of course, here in Washington. Let me ask you this. There's been so – you know, Saquon Barkley's been – Great, tremendous. I, I mean, I would have taken him at number two. I know people think that's crazy, and Gettleman was wrong, and they should have done, you know, Sam Darnold and all this. I, you know, we can revisit that. Because the Giants have not been successful as a team, yet Saquon has been, I, I think, largely successful as an individual talent, do you look back on that now as a mistake? Or do you – can you justify it even though the team has largely – stunk since Saquon came with the number two overall pick. Well, here's the thing with Saquon. We don't really know what he can bring to this offense. And by that, I mean, you know, we get this guy at number two who can run, who can be a weapon in the passing game, who can do all these fantastic things. And then he plays for a head coach slash play caller who sends them on inside zone runs, who doesn't split them out wide, who doesn't put them in the slot, all these things that, that Barkley, you know, is capable of doing. It's kind of like, you know, buying a gadget and, you know, not using all the features to it. It's like, what do you, what exactly did you spend the money for to buy the gadget? So I, I just don't think we have seen all that Barkley can, can contribute to an offense. We've seen, you know, glimpses, I think what we have seen is very promising and it gets us excited. But, you know, there were just times last year that I, that, that I was like, why are you sending him up the middle behind, you know, a, a center who, who can't get any push? What's with this, you know, obsession with these inside zone run schemes? Why aren't you sending him on more outside zone runs? Why are mm -hmm. you not lining him up, you know, in, in the slot? I, I just, the play calling was just all over the place. And, and like I said, I think it's a little premature to say, oh, the Giants made a mistake. I mean, it would look like it based on how the record and how things have unfolded, but I just think it's premature to say that. Hmm, that's an interesting answer. Um, so as we look at the wide receiver group, we mentioned earlier, you know, no, of course, no Odell Beckham. He's been gone for a year, but I, I would say just, again, watching the the Giants and, of course, against the Redskins a couple of times. Uh, Darius Slayton certainly surprised some people as a fifth-round pick and really emerged. Uh, do you feel good about this group with Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard, or is this still a big, big, big question mark in your eyes? 
Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I had a chance to speak with David Tyree, the former Giant receiver Super Bowl hero, about this. And I'll, I'll share with you what he said because I, I happen to agree with it. He said, talent-wise, they're, they're in pretty good shape. They have guys who, you know, can make plays for them. You know, you look at, for example, Golden Tate, who I think was one of the best in terms of yards after the catch. Sterling Shepard dropped off a little bit, but again, he had some injury issues last year. You know, he had the the two concussions, but still, he, he, he's a solid receiver. And Darius Slayton was just an absolute treasure of a fine. I mean, no question about it. Now you go ahead to this year. And the question that David raised, which I think makes a lot of sense, is who is your linchpin amongst that group? Like he, he goes back to, uh, to again, to Eli's early earlier career. And he said, you know, Eli had Amani Toomer, a nice big receiver. He had Plaxico Burris, a big receiver. He said, don't underestimate what a nice tall receiver can bring to a young quarterback's development. And the Giants, I don't think, have that. Now, you know, they did, they did draft, um, they have Corey Coleman, who is coming off of an ACL. I think they're hoping that, you know, he will develop into the the ver- deep vertical uh, threat so that it's not all on Slayton. And then they also have three undrafted free agents, two of whom I think are pretty tall targets. But, you know, I, I don't know that I would necessarily expect them to be the linchpin this year, but maybe down the line, uh, the hope is as they develop into a potential linchpin for, for Daniel Jones as he goes into that critical third season. Patricia Trana covers the Giants. And one last uh, quick one uh, here as we wrap up, just kind of spinning through both sides of the football here. Uh, how do the Giants look on the offensive line where, you know, certainly they, they spent a lot of money on Nate Solder. I know that hasn't exactly worked out. Um, and, and of course, Andrew Thomas, a first round uh, rookie out of Georgia who they, you know, they, I mean, they need him to step up and eventually I guess he'll be what the starting left tackle, but for right now he'll start on the right side. Yeah, I, th- I, I think that's going to be the case. Initially, I thought he would be the starting left tackle. I thought that would make the most sense. But having, you know, spoken to a few people, I think it's going to be the right side. Because if you think about it, you want him next to a veteran. And and can you think of anybody better to put him next to than the most consistent offensive lineman on the Giants last year? That being right guard Kevin Zeitler. You mm-hmm. know, meanwhile, Will Hernandez, and this is no disrespect to Will, who I think a lot of, but he struggled last year as well. And now you have, you know, a a question mark at center. You have Nate Solder on the other side. You know, is Nate Solder going to be able to, you know, pull it together and and get back to a a decent level of play? He probably, you know, his 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 best years are are no question behind him in the rearview mirror. Um, So I don't know that it would be a good idea to put a young rookie who eventually is going to be your your future. in that spot right now. I think he's better off on the right side where, like I said, he can kind of learn and, and, and uh, mesh with, uh, with Zeitler, who was their best player at center. You know, that's the biggest question mark for me right now. I mean, the incumbent is Spencer Pulley. He's the guy who has the most experience. They also have Nick Gates who was practice at the position and they have that kid Shane Lemieux who they drafted this year. The problem with this is that, you didn't have an off season. So even though Nick Gates has practiced at the position, he hasn't taken 
uh, life snaps. And you'd want to see where he was now, especially with a new system, a new offensive system. Um, so I think you, by default, you probably want to go with a guy who's been there, done that, especially with a young quarterback behind you. So I think it, I, I think it makes the most sense right now to have Pulley as the starting center. But what also concerns me is, do they have enough depth if something should happen there? You know, if Pulley gets hurt or just, you know, wets the bed, um, do they then say, okay, we're going to go to Nick Gates and we're going to just throw, take our chances? Or do they say, oh, you know what, we better go and sign, I don't know, a Justin Britt, for example. So that's that's the biggest question for me. Not good to wet the bed, and especially against some of the defensive linemen uh, that uh, the Giants are going to have to face inside the division. The Redskins, that's the strength of their team. Uh, the Cowboys have some good talent uh, and a new defensive line coach and Jim Tom Sula, who uh, was with the Redskins uh, over the last couple of years, one of the best defensive line coaches. Uh, and, of course, the Eagles, that's the strength of their defense uh, as well. All right, Patricia, that is going to wrap uh, up this episode uh, in and, and it's always great to catch up with you and get uh, all of your tremendous insight and knowledge on Big Blue and the New York Giants. Where can uh, people, of course, follow you if they're not already doing so, which they should be doing so? <laughs> well, thank you. You can follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trina. And uh, like you, Chris, who you write the, uh, the the Redskins report or whatever it's going to be called moving forward, um, I, I write uh, – I, I'm in charge of Giants Country, which is the uh, SI Sports Channel covering the Giants. So like you, we put out new content every day, um, try to interact with our readers and our and our fans and, you know, hope. Uh, I know we post uh, our, our NFC East morning run over on your site, and I'm going to have another article that I'll be posting on your site tomorrow. So, um, you know, appreciate the opportunity and always appreciate the chance to talk to you. Thank you, Patricia. Great to hear your voice and your analysis as well. And we'll be talking again real soon, okay? Sounds good. All right. This is Chris Russell along with Patricia Trana, Locked on Giants, Locked on Redskins, Division Crossover, and the NFC East.